You're listening to a message from Heritage Christian Fellowship in San Clemente, California. For more information, go to heritagesc.org. Um, we're going to turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, it's in the New Testament. It's like probably like 80% through your Bible. John chapter 13, I will have it on the screen for you who maybe don't have your Bibles with you. Uh, but John chapter 13, are we there? Yeah. Are you guys ready? Yeah. I'm reading out of the NIV translation. And uh, here we go. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And if you jump to verse 34, it says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Well, today uh, we are uh, finishing up the fast and and we are going to be talking about uh, kind of the response to maybe what God's teaching us. And and in this series or in this section that I just read from, it's the beginning. John 13 is the beginning that runs kind of through John 17, um, which is uh, Jesus in the upper room and he is uh, about to go to the cross and he's giving his disciples, his followers, some instructions on what he wants them to do. I mean, this is kind of like his farewell speech and he has some real commands. And throughout this whole passage, if you read it, you're gonna see a lot of words like um, command, do, keep, obey. I mean, it's just this running theme that he really wants his followers to do what he's asking them to do. 
And so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit for us today. There's so much for us that we can get out of this as to how we are to follow Jesus in our daily lives, you know, well over 2,000 years later, or just under 2,000 years later, I guess. Sorry. So we're talking about a word that I just love obedience. How many of you guys like this word? Kids and guys like me squirm at its sound. It kind of has like a something like a little vibe that you would maybe like associate with dogs, you know, like that's what obedience is, like some animal, but uh, it is something that, yeah, we're going to spend some time talking about. So what does obedience look like? What does obedience look like? I have a story for you about, there was a, a man who uh, was very wealthy and, and worked really hard throughout his whole life to acquire a good amount of wealth. And uh, he had a, a wife that, that, he, that uh, he wanted um, to be obedient to him. And because he loved his money and he worked so hard for it, he wanted to take it with him into the afterlife. So he got his wife and he sat her down and he made her promise that when he died, she would put all of his money in the casket with him so that he could take it with him wherever he went. So he died. And uh, he was getting buried. In that. And at the funeral, his wife is there dressed in black and she's with her friend. And uh, as the ceremony ends, uh, the, the funeral director is about to close the casket. And uh, the obedient wife says, oh, wait, hold on one more thing. And she gets up and she puts a metal box into the casket with him. And then the funeral director closes the casket and takes it away. And uh, the, the obedient wife's friend says, girl, please tell me you did not put all that money into the casket with him. You've got to be crazy. To which she replied, a promise is a promise. I told him I was going to do it. So yes, I put it in there. And she's like, Argh. her friend's like, are you crazy? That was the most foolish thing. I know you're not that foolish. And the obedient wife says, well, I did. I took all of his money, I put it into my account, and I wrote him a check. And if he can cash it, then he can spend it. Thank you, thank you. I'll be here all week. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know why that really has anything to do with the message, but I just thought it was hilarious. So um, it, it makes me chuckle every time I think about it, the craftiness of the obedience. Um, but what are we talking about? We're talking about obedience to Jesus, not like that. And, and specifically, what is he calling us to do, right? I think we're, we're in a relationship with God and, and he does want us to be obedient to him. And so that's what I want to talk about. I mean, we just got done fasting and uh, hopefully for many of you, you took the time to fast this week. If you didn't, there is mercy and forgiveness for you. Um, but uh, we want to develop a culture here at church where we are seeking God's uh, wisdom, God's guidance, and God will speak. And when he speaks, uh, we want to be people that are ready to listen and to obey. Um, and Peter kind of said last week, it's, it's this process of fasting and praying. And fasting and praying, when we deny ourselves some of the physical desires that we have, it has this unique way of kind of tuning in our frequency to what God has for us and what God wants to say. And then the task is to listen 
and really hear what he has to say. And as we listen, uh, do it in community. It's not going to be something that, that uh, is not out of scripture. You know, the, there is a process to listening. Um, but after we listen, we want to obey. So that's why we're in this passage. John 13 through 16 has a lot to say about, about what we are to obey and what that looks like to be obedient. So these are the four questions kind of that I want to answer today. If you're taking notes, you can write these down and uh, we're going to answer them as we go along. And I think this is what the passage um, kind of points at us. It's why we obey, what we're asked to do, what happens when we do that, and then how is it going to be possible? Okay, obeying Jesus. Now, just obeying in general, you know, some people say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, but uh, this is a picture of my son. And when I get asked to obey, I personally am a little hesitant from time to time. You know, maybe it's the good old rebellious American in me, but I don't really like listening to people. And sometimes I think I have my own well-being in mind and I know what's best for me and, uh, it's often really hard to obey. Do you guys like to obey? I, I struggle with it from time to time. Some people are like obedient, obedient, obedient. My wife is like the exact opposite of me. If the rule says, you know, go 35, she's more, more inclined to go 35. I take it more as a suggestion. Um, <laughs> but obedience, it's like my, my children, you know, they are not the most obedient of children. I tell them to go, to go to bed and I say, hey, you have to be in bed and your head's on pillows at 8.30. And then I will go in at 8.35 and I will find them jumping around while holding pillows to their head. <laughs> I mean, that is who my kids are. And, uh, but the reality is we need obedience, right? We need obedience. As the old English proverb goes, the ship that will not obey the helm will have to obey the rocks. And in my life, I've had too many times where I have fallen on the rocks and realized, man, if I'd only obeyed, if I'd only listened to people who loved me and cared about me, then I would be in much better shape, right? We need obedience. And so we should be more apt to listen to what God has for our lives. So my plea for you today is that one, that you just see God's love in a new way, that you see Jesus's love for you. Um, it's interesting that that was kind of brought up uh, by Donna, but I think what we read today really puts Jesus' heart for you on display. He loves you. He cares about you. And maybe for some of us, we just need to fall in love again. You know, sometimes you get a new glimpse of who God is, and it just, it's like just as fresh as the first time you ever heard his name. And then the second part is I really want us to be excited to do what God is asking us to do, both you personally and us corporately as a church. Um, and I want us to be excited about it. And I think God has great plans for our church. So let's begin. You guys ready? Are you guys ready? Yeah. <laughs> I love the forced uh, obedience. Um, why do we obey? Why do we obey? This is the first thing. Let's read uh, John uh, chapter 13 right at the beginning. What does it say? Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. This is not to the end of his life. This is, this is more to the fullest extent. Jesus showed us what true love really is, the, the immense power of what love can actually be. Uh, and jump to verse 34. What does it say? As I have loved you, 
right? As Jesus loved. And then the person who wrote this gospel, we believe he wrote these letters, and he writes, we love because he first loved us. Very good, right? Why do we love? We love because he first loved us. So let me ask you a question. Who made the first move? Who asked who out on the date? Right? God did. Right? God took this first step towards us. You know, he's the one that pursues us. And in fact, it says in, in verse three, it's very interesting. He says, he had come from God and was returning from God. The Holy Spirit blows. Um, God, God becomes human, right? He leaves the throne room of heaven. He leaves whatever sanctity he had in the Trinity and he gives his son, and his son becomes human. He becomes finite. I mean, this is such a huge move. We can't even just understand, uh, underestimate that he had come from God. And yet he comes, and he rescues, and he restores, and he redeems his people, all while we are disobedient children, right? In the midst of that, who makes the first move? Jesus makes the first move. So what does that mean for our lives? It means that obedience is the result of love, not the requirement for love. Let me say that again. Obedience is the result of love, not the requirement for love. What is our motivation for being obedient? Right? Many of us have had too many terrible experiences about in relationships of what love is. They're all, they've been very conditional. Our parents, and no matter how well of a job they did, at some point they demonstrated conditional love. I mean, I don't think this is the case. And for kids, I spoke to my kids in the last service and for, for the, the youth here, like the reason we as parents want you to obey, the reason God wants you to obey is because he loves you. There's no condition with God. You don't have to behave a certain way to be accepted and to be loved, right? Obedience is not a requirement for love, but unfortunately obedience is such a requirement for so many relationships in our world, for our work relationships, for our friend relationships. I mean, many of us have had friends that seem like they, they cared about us only to find a better offer somewhere else. Right? This is something that we experience. So because we experience that, it makes it a lot harder to, to understand a God who loves us unconditionally right? and just wants obedience out of our love. But when we experience God's love, obedience follows. Um, I watched recently over the Christmas break uh, the story Band of Brothers. Has anybody seen this story? It is a rad, rad uh, our military movie, if you will, or series, and it's on HBO. It's a 10-part series, and it follows the 101st Airborne and their actions in World War II. And uh, the, one of the leaders of uh, the 101st is a guy by the name of Lieutenant Dick Winters. And this guy is just a real class act. I mean, he's such a good leader, and throughout the time, you just see his love for his troops and how much he cares about them. And it's so on display as they're entering into battles, and he's leading from the front. He's leading the charge. He's going right down the middle, and, and his troops see this, and they feel this, and his troops respond to any word he asks. I mean, they go into flying bullets and risking their own lives. Why? 
because they experienced that love from him, that care. Powerful love has a tremendous impact on our behavior. Powerful love has a tremendous impact on our behavior. And how much more did Jesus do? Right? How much more do we see in our Savior? I mean, just in this scenario in John 13, it's, it's hard to grasp how big of a deal it is for us that Jesus would wash his disciples' feet when we are a culture that gets pedicures quite often. I mean, th- this is a huge, huge thing. And, and I mean, you could just see it just in Peter's reaction. I mean, what, what does Simon Peter say? Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And he says, no, you shall never wash my feet. He's appalled. He's like, this, this can't happen. And the reason being is because this is the lowest form of servanthood. The lowest form. A rabbi would never stoop this low. And in fact, there were commands on like what you could make a slave to do and, and what a slave couldn't do. And it was, it was against the law to have a Jewish slave clean somebody's feet. You could have a Gentile slave do it, but a Jewish slave, that was unacceptable. And so what is Jesus doing? He is demonstrating such a servanthood, such a humbling of his posture, of his nature, of his position, to where he goes beyond even the lowest that a Jew would have. He goes into the Gentile world. I mean, this is a huge, huge act of love on Jesus' part. And it is such a humbly serving thing to do. As Paul writes in Philippians 2, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, the foot washer, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. And he washed feet, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." What is Jesus doing when he washes feet? One, he is, he is humbling himself and he's serving, but even more so, he's foreshadowing what he's going to be doing in the next day. I mean, this is the, this is this, this whole passage of 13 through 16. This is like the final week. This is the Thursday night and Friday. He knows his death is coming. And so in doing so, he's foreshadowing what is going to happen. What does he say in verse 7? You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. And it didn't take long before they saw. You see, as Jesus is washing his feet, he sheds his clothes. But when he goes to the cross, he's stripped of them. In the upper room, he cleanses his feet of the ground of Jerusalem, But at the cross, he cleanses our souls from sin. He gave up his title as master. He gave up his status with God to come and and give his life so that our status could be his status. Right? Jesus sheds his blood so that we could have resurrection and life. Why do we obey? We obey because of Jesus' love. And, and, and maybe for some of us here, this is just where you need to stop. Pick up this. Jesus loves you. 
Maybe it's hard for you to understand that, but he does. He's willing to, he serves you, he gives you his life, he cleanses you through, through his work on the cross. Jesus' love is why we obey. Saint Ignatius, Ignatius, whatever. It is not hard to obey when we love the one whom we obey. Maybe you just need to say that you love Jesus today and let's see what happens. Why we obey Jesus' love, what to do. What do we do, right? What did you hear this week? God probably gave you some instruction. I've talked to many people who feel like they never hear from God. And my, I always kind of push back on that and say, what does is, what is your gut tell you to do right now? What is your like instinct? Like God might be behind that a little bit. What do you think is the right thing? That could be deceiving. And so because it can be deceiving, it's good to always triangulate with community and with the Bible. God is not going to tell you to do something that is contradictory to the scriptures. And make sure that you are around community who know you and know your life situation so that you don't think, hey, God's calling me to sell my house and have my family live out of a van right now. Unless you're the race. In which case, that was what God called you to do. <laughs> I'm just kidding, the inside joke. Um, but what it will have to do with, it will have to do with what, what it says in John 13. Now that I, teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, what is he asking you to do? You also should wash one another's feet. That's what we're called to do, wash one another's feet. So when you go home today, go knock on your next door neighbor's door, grab a bucket and, and, and say, hey, I'm here to wash your feet. Is that good? Are you guys down? <laughs> How many of you guys would actually do that? I can see you doing that. That might work for you. For the rest of us, we're not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. That would be incredibly embarrassing. Is this exactly what Jesus wants us to do? Like, I, there have been faith traditions who have kept up the actual washing of people's feet. And I hope that that is a practice that we do from time to time. But is that exact? I mean, it's powerful when you do it. But what does it say? I set you an example. This is an example. What is the example? The example is, is I have loved you, so you must love one another. This is how you humbly serve people. This is how you take care of people's needs. Okay? And what does it say? When we do this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That starts right here in this room. If you love right here. And then we become this contagious culture that people say, hey, I want what they got. I want to be a part of that because look at how they love, right? We, we love other people's poor, okay? That's what we're called to do. How, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. How are Christians known right now? I'll let you answer that question, okay? I imagine you have many Christian friends who have a social media account that might not display the type of love and care that God is after, Jesus' love is why we obey. What are we to do? We're to humbly serve. I mean, that's the theme. And, and the more I prayed about it and the more I thought about it, I, I think the key here is, is it's a people thing. It's a people thing. I think God wants us to serve people. Not an organization, not heritage. He wants to serve the people. So I just want to take a second. Who is that for you? I think if you were to take something away of this week, like who's the one person 
You know, as we were worshiping, I thought of that story of the kid who's throwing uh, a sea, uh, sea stars back in the ocean. Have you heard of it, this story? There's like tons of sea, sea stars. Starfish, yeah, there's a ton of starfish. Did you say this recently? Starfish on the, on the ground, and, and this kid's throwing in one at a time, and someone comes up to him and says, what are you doing? There's so many starfish. You know, you're never going to make a difference. And he says, made a difference to that one, right? Who's the one for you guys? Who's the one for you? And, and I think about it too. I was thinking about this. I didn't mention this in the first service, but how many of you guys are in a later in life stage? You define that yourself. How many of you are in a young stage? How many of you guys go to uh, whatever you want to call it? You're in a life stage and you have people around you. Who are your people? Who are your people? Who are the kids that you go to school with? Who are the kids that you go to college with? Who are the people that you serve alongside? My hunch from what the scriptures say, God's asking you to serve someone in that vicinity. You live next to someone. I'm just saying, okay? Who is it? Write it down. Write it down. Why, what if you just made it your goal this year that the one person that God is putting on your heart, that you're going to serve them in some capacity? I don't know what that is. But I do know that he wants you to serve humbly. So let's move to what happens if we love Jesus, we're going to be obedient. Our obedience is going to lead us to serving humbly. And then when we do that, when we do that, what will happen is blessing, joy, and miracles. Let me show you what I mean. Look at verse 16, 16 and 17. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. I think that verse in 16 is, is, is there for us to realize you can't just go and serve and do things and think it's going to uphold your status. Like you're going to have some extra power or anything. Like you're no greater. God loves you just the way you are. But if you serve, what will happen? Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You will be blessed if you do them. The word here, blessed, is a divine happiness. Right, it's the same word that you read uh, if you read Matthew five, uh, the Beatitudes. Have you guys heard this? That when Jesus starts off and he says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit." Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the yeah, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness, right? And we could add, "Blessed are the foot washers," right? Because they are the ones that humbly serve. I mean, blessed are they. That is like a divine happiness. There is blessing that comes from when we do that, right? Uh, if you skip to John 15, if you want to turn over to John 15, verse 10, this is what it says. If you, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. This is not conditional. It sounds conditional, but, but the, the, it's not like, hey, I will love you if. Jesus loves you, period. But if you keep his commandments, what happens? I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My joy may be in you. What does divine joy look like? What does divine joy look like? Have you ever had that? I mean, maybe if you had a kid and during, you know, you see this little thing come out and you're like, that's a, that's a pretty joyful experience. 
I don't know what got more joyful than that in my life, but a divine joy, a divine joy. What's God's, the, the dance of the Trinity, the joy that happens there. God says that that is on offer and that can be in you. That can be in you. God's joy can be in you. Now, right now, this side of the grave, like life with Jesus starts now, right? I want that. I hope you want that. Because I think if we experience divine joy, then our joy truly will be complete, right? So we're blessed, you have joy, and what else happens? I think miracles happen. I mean, you look at like stories throughout the Bible when there's obedience to God. I mean, just God's spirit moves and, and, and crazy things happen. I, I was reading a lot of the, uh, the feeding of the 5,000. Are you guys familiar with this story, right? So uh, what's interesting about it when I read it in, in Mark is that the, the disciples are coming back from, from being sent out and to go and, and to cast out demons and, and declare that the kingdom's coming and, and forget their exact instructions, but they're coming back to Jesus and they're reporting back to him. And they're like, man, all this stuff happened. And Jesus realizes that they're tired, they're hungry, and, the, and they're worn out from a journey. And then he's like, we need to go off and we need to get some rest. That's what it says. And then they go off to get that rest and a crowd of people beat them to it. And so they get there and guess what happens more ministry time. I mean, how many of you guys are worn out from a long, tiring 2020 journey? Right? But yet the ministry is just beginning. There's a group of people that we're coming into contact with. And what Jesus says to his disciples is, you feed them. And they're like, no, that's crazy. That's crazy. We can't feed them. We're tired. We only have five loaves of bread and a couple fish. Like, it's not happening. Like, you need to send them away. You know, I mean, how many times in our lives has God been like, you need to go forgive that person? It's like, I can't do that. You need to go love that person. You need to go, no, they, they're crazy. They don't, I don't agree with them. Whatever it is. And yet, what does Jesus say? Give it to me. Give it to me. And they give it to them. They give it to Jesus, and then what happens? Food, and lots of it, right? Baskets full are left over. Miracles, miracles. One of my most proudest moments of my ministry, of where I've seen God work, and there's been tremendous fruit, um, has been uh, in, in my obedience has been with this guy right here. His name's Dale Ross. Um, he might be watching online right now. What's up, Dale? Um, but... Uh, yeah, being a pastor, there are moments where you feel like you're just kind of struggling through the mud. Maybe that was for me. Um, but there, there have been moments where there's been fruit. And, and I think one of the, the greatest moments of obedience for me, of saying yes to, to Jesus, was when he said, hey, come be a pastor. And I said yes, and, and good things happen. And then when I left being a pastor, he came to me and said, hey, I'm not done with you. I want you to be a pastor again. And I said yes, and, and that that led me to here, which is amazing. But one of my most proudest moments was when I said yes to what God was prompting me about this guy. And so, so Dale, about five, six years ago, uh, about give or take, I'm sorry, Dale, if I'm off on the timeline. Um, Dale's, the, the love of Jesus got a hold of Dale's heart. And one Easter, Jesus said, or Dale said yes to Jesus. And he was overwhelmed by God's love and grace for him. And he came up and he got baptized. And uh, I believe I was a part of that. 
and I caught his name in passing. And then a couple weeks later, I, I see him on the patio uh, of, of our church. And I felt very convicted that God was saying, I should go talk to that guy. And I did. And I, I went up to him and, I mean, if you know me, I'm terrible with names. But I remembered his name. It was a gift from God. And I said, hey, you're Dale, right? And he says, yeah, I'm Dale. I said, hey, man, I don't know what you got going on. I'm paraphrasing, but I, I think God's got a plan for you. And I want you to come serve in one of my ministries. And, and, and I invited him to be a part of the welcome team. And he started ushering. And then I took him through this discipleship program. And then after that, he started taking other people through the discipleship program. And I mean, I just, I tell you, I'm so proud of this guy, Dale. He has led so many people to the Lord. I mean, I dare say hundreds and hundreds of people. I mean, the people that he has led, he's saved marriages. He has brought joy to people just on the Sunday evenings when he's working. He's changed his work environment. He's changed his household environment. I mean, he's just, he doesn't have everything perfect by any means at all. But he's so sold out for Jesus and he just obeys him every step of the way. And man, if you know Dale, you know that he's got joy. He's got some divine joy. And, and all that happened. All that happened because I said yes. Little, little obedience step. And then Dale, he took a little obedience step. And now God is just putting so many people in his path. I mean, I'm telling you, he takes people, he takes groups through this discipleship program. And they are, they mourn when he says, you're done. I, I can't, I can't be with you anymore. I mean, he's just that legendary of a dude. So I love you, Dale, if you're watching. Um, so one act leads to just so much. Oh yeah, I was going to show you. He made this for me too. This is on my desk. He's a, he's a metal carpenter. Uh, does like framing and all this stuff. Uh, and he said, he came up to me. He's like, Hey man, I made this for you. He's like, that, that's Jesus. That's you. And that's me, man. <laughs> that's cool. I still have it, Dale. Haven't lost it. Why do we obey? Jesus love. What do we do? We serve humbly. What happens? Blessing, joy, and miracles. But I think the, the better question is how, how is this going to be possible? Is it just that you got to work really hard? You got to dig deep? I mean, so much of this Christian life revolves right around this point right here. How is it possible? It's possible through the Holy Spirit. All right, turn to John 14. Look at verse 15 and 16. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, another version of Jesus, another Jesus, to what? What does it say? To help you. To help you and be with you forever. The Holy Spirit doesn't leave you. Which means that the same power, the same power, that created all this, that brought you here, that rose Jesus from the grave. It's that power that's going to help you. What do you have to fear? What do you have to worry about? Right? That's how we're going to have the strength to obey. Man, I see people who work with homeless, work with foster kids. I mean, how painful it can be. How do they do it? The wind blows through them. Amen? Amen. 
Why do we obey? Jesus showers us with love. He loved us first. He was the first one to act. What do we do? We serve humbly. Each of you has a status. Are you willing to, are you willing to take it off? Are you willing to care for the people around you? And there's, I'm sure God's putting someone on your heart, if not more than one person on your heart. And what happens when we do? Blessing, joy, and miracles. God can do more than you could ever imagine. But we don't go seeking miracles. We seek obedience and miracles follow. Okay? Got that? We all want to see miracles, but that's not what we go for. We go for obedience and God's going to meet us there and God will do more with this little church than we could ever imagine. Okay? Why? Why? Because God's presence is with us. The Holy Spirit is at work. He is alive and he lives in me and he lives in you. Amen? So we're going to close right now and we're just going to turn our hearts towards worshiping God. And so I want to invite the worship team back up. Um, But as we do, there's a group of us here and I think some of us just need to say yes to Jesus. Some of us have maybe didn't, don't realize how much Jesus actually loves you. I hope he's been speaking to your heart during this time. And maybe you just need to say yes. Maybe you need to say yes again. You need to re-up on saying yes to Jesus. And for other of us, maybe we need some clarity right now. Maybe we need some encouragement. Maybe we just need to be feel confident that God is still with us and what he's leading us to do is really coming from him. We are going to have a team that's right up here. I mean, some of these people right here are going to be up here. And they're very gifted in hearing from God. And you might have just an amazing experience. Just I, I ask you to step out on a limb and to come up And if you want to accept Jesus for the first time and accept his love and say yes to his love and experience the gift of the Holy Spirit, they're willing to pray for you through that. If you just want clarity of what God's doing in your life or where he's asking you to go, or or maybe you want clarity on who that person is that he wants you to serve, come talk to these guys and allow them to pray for you. You will be blown away when God moves. Okay? And while we do that, I just... I'm, we're, we're going to worship, we're going to sing, I want to pray right now, and then I'm going to invite up my wife, who's going to come up here, and uh, while we praise, uh, I'm going to wash feet, I'm going to wash my wife's feet, as just uh, a symbol of, of what we want to go with from here and we want to do. Thank you for listening. We hope you tune in next week. For more information, go to heritagesc.org.